0: My first job, besides babysitting, my first job was at V. Richards Bakery in Waukesha, Wisconsin. It was a, it is, a gourmet European grocery store in a suburb of Milwaukee. Sounds like an oxymoron, but it's true. And uh, I worked in the bakery. So I stood at the front of this big glass, long glass case. And inside the glass case was baklava and pecan strusel loaves and just all variety of gorgeous baked goods. And people would come and I would say, how may I help you in my little white apron with V. Richards embroidered in red across the front. And I was thinking about this first job I had. Because this week, in our all-church book discussion on prayer, uh, the title of this week's chapter is Off to Work with God We Go. So it got me thinking about my first job. And I wonder what your first job was, the first time you got, you know, maybe paid to do work, or the first time that you considered yourself having a real job. And I wonder what that was like for you. Like, did you think when you got up to go do that job, did you think, are you kidding me? I get to do this? This is amazing. I, I love going to work. Did you have that sort of feeling of, of excitement and pride and, and energy flowing through you? Or, or with your first job, were you more like, TGI Friday? Like, I cannot wait for the weekend. Like, how much longer do I need to do this before I can retire? I wonder what your, you know, relationship with your work has been like. As we consider this theme of off to work with God, we go, because, you know, humans, on average, we spend one-third of our lives at work. Approximately 90,000 hours of your life will be spent at work. And you can either do that work independent of God or you can do that work with God. Work is something God created us to do. Work in and of itself is good. But of course, because we human beings have turned away from God, The source of all that is good in the world, all that is true and beautiful, the source of all life, has been tainted. And so our work, just like everything else, is compromised by the effects of the fall. And so now, work, although it is good in and of itself, it can feel frustrating, it can feel fruitless, at times it can just feel incomplete, I mean, you might have been a person who, like, began your career or your job with, like, a noble vision to make a difference in the world. But as you've engaged in the work itself, maybe you've come to realize just how completely overwhelming the needs are and, like, how little your contribution feels to be, like, just like a drop in the bucket of this overwhelming amount of need. Or maybe you began your job and you, you, you wanted to do great work and you were eager to, like, throw yourself wholeheartedly into your work. But then, like, the system kind of, like, beat you down. And at this juncture, you're just kind of cynical about it all. Or maybe you started something with a passion to do your best. And then after a while, it just, it just kind of has become, like, a way to make a paycheck, a way to sort of punch the clock and pay the bills. But if Jesus was serious, then the line between God's work and ours will disappear. Sky Jathani paints it like these, these spheres. So in the upper left there, you see what God is doing, what I am doing, and neither the two shall meet. Like God is doing this over here, and I am doing this over here, and they're really not connected. And then kind of, you know, that next one is like, well, they sort of kind of overlap a little sometimes. But that if Jesus was serious about prayer, then increasingly in our lives, as we spiral deeper in this journey with Jesus, that this line between what God is up to, what God is doing, and what I am doing, it, it, it just kind of disappears, that prayer is this place of total overlap. So in our passage today that Rachel just read, Jesus is talking about our abiding in Christ. Abiding is prayer. Abiding is remaining connected to Christ as we go about our days. It's not like set aside a time for prayer. It is more about going through all of the moments of the day in a posture of prayer. So Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now these words were spoken at the Last Supper. It's a time of uncertainty for those gathered around the table with Jesus. And at this time when the disciples are feeling as if they're about to be uprooted, Jesus is like sketching this picture in their imaginations. He's painting this picture of a new life, like a flourishing vineyard sort of a life, a labyrinth of all these branches, these branches that are connected and attached to strong vines, and those strong vines are in deep and rich soil, and there's abundant fruit, there's abundant grapes, and there's this amazing aroma, and it's like Jesus is painting this picture, really, of like a new garden of Eden, in their minds, in their imaginations. And this new garden of Eden, it's it's bursting with all of this imagery of fruit and sustenance, satisfying aromas. It's it's like Jesus is saying, This is life in the kingdom. So it's all about connection, it's about sustenance, it's about beauty, it's about joy. And also within this promise of life, Jesus has this warning too right? He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. This warning, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, first of all, okay, what does abide mean? What does it mean to abide? Abide means staying closely connected to God through prayer, through worship, through obedience. Those are the things Jesus is talking about in the passage. Abide, basically the word abide means to remain, to stay put, to linger in one place, to dwell. The most important thing for a branch to do is to stay connected to the vine. Only a branch that receives the life-giving sap of the the vine is going to live, is going to bear any fruit. So Jesus' teaching, it's the same with us. And most of us live our lives kind of more like independent branches. Like what God is doing is in one sphere, what I'm doing is in another sphere. Maybe once in a while I come to church and pray or I set aside a little time to pray. We think we can please God like in our own strength and in our own effort. But if Jesus is serious, Jesus is saying, we're only branches. That the most important thing that we can do is to abide in Christ, who is our life. And what does it really mean when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing? In reality, we can do a lot apart from the vine. Like, we can have a career. We can raise families. We can preach a sermon apart from the vine We can make billions of dollars, we can climb Everest, we can run ultras, we can put a man on the moon, we can do all of these things like in our own capacity. (laughs) Not only can we do it, but like often they can go very well. So why does Jesus say, like, apart from me, you can do nothing? What does he mean when he says that? Jesus is saying we can't do the essential thing that matters most on our own apart from god we can't produce fruit that will last if we're disconnected from the vine branches can't produce fruit alone they can't do that and we can't produce lives we can't produce fruit we can't build a life that pleases god if we're not connected to christ this is this is what jesus is talking about here like If we're continually operating independently of Jesus, we might look good. We might feel successful. We might even um, be seen as accomplished. We might get good results. Like, even in the name of Jesus, we might get good results, successful results. But we will not produce the fruit of the kingdom. There's this spiritual classic by a 17th century Carmelite monk, classic book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And in it, Brother Lawrence is talking about how he has this, he's a, he's a, um, a dishwasher, very mundane job that he has, washing dishes. And in this book, he, he's just talking about taking these mundane, everyday moments at work. Washing dishes, drying dishes, preparing food, these very mundane tasks, and trying to to do each and every one of them in the presence of God with an awareness of God's presence in those mundane, everyday tasks. It's a classic, classic book on the spiritual life. And I think it is what Jesus is talking about here, when he's talking about branches and vines and the importance of abiding, it's this idea of this, like, continuous life of prayer. Not a set-aside segment, but, like, in all that I do, there's a posture of prayer. This past July, I was kayaking around this little lake in northern Wisconsin, and I had my little book of poetry with me, and I was just you know, looking at the water and looking at the forest and the trees all around. And I read this little line of poetry from this poem called Lost by David Wagner. And I read these words. It says, No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. And when I read those words, I thought, I am surely lost. I don't know what a tree or a bush does. And at that moment, I looked up and this blue heron soared from probably a neighboring lake across this little lake and landed at the top of this tall tree, at the top of this tall branch on the top of this tall tree, and just sat there. And I'm no expert on blue herons, but I have seen them many times at this lake. I just have never seen them land way up high on the top of a tree on the top of a tall branch like that. I mean, usually when I see a blue heron, it's it's, it's flying in, soaring in, it's landing on the shore, it's landing in the reeds, it's walking across the docks of the lake. Um, They have such a cool, deliberate way of walking. I just had never seen one land way up high, and it just sat there, perched on the top of this tree on the top of this branch and so I'm watching this blue heron and I I look at my book of poems again no two trees are the same to raven no two branches are the same to wren if what a tree or a bush does is lost on you then you are surely lost and I just sat there for a little while in my kayak I'm like mulling (laughs) mulling over on this like little line of poetry you know I'm thinking like, what is it exactly? What does a tree or a bush do? And you know, slowly it's just sort of like unfolding inside of me. It's it's I'm thinking like, what does a tree or a bush do? It just is. It just it just exists. It it just remains. It just remains in the soil of the earth. It just stays put. What does a tree or a bush do? It just is. It just exists, and by just being, and by just existing, or just remaining, it actually bears so much fruit to our lives and the life of our planet. If what a tree does is lost on you, you are surely lost, because think about it, a tree in just being purifies the air, fights climate change. A tree just by existing provides a home to like millions of creatures, species that protect us from disease. It cools our streets. It cools our cities. It cools us off in the side yard and the after parties during the summer right here What does a tree do in just being? It protects against floods and water pollution. You know what else a tree does, especially when they're in mass like in a forest? It eases the mind in stressful times. The Japanese actually have a word for this. They call it forest bathing. Like there ain't no bath like a forest bath. (laughs) When you're feeling stressful, when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling full of anxiety, and you just go take a walk in the woods when you just go sit and look at trees. It eases the mind during stressful times. And Jesus, in this scripture, it's like Jesus is asking us to consider trees and branches and how they might serve as our teachers for us in the life that he longs for us to live in the kingdom of love. That the fruit of your life and the fruit of my life, that the work of your life and the work of my life will not be measured by promotions or paychecks or possessions or bank accounts or titles or positions of power or acquisitions. It will be seen through the lens of love and through the lens of the fruit of God's spirit. And as you abide in the love of Christ, it's like Jesus is saying this this flourishing garden of Eden starts to grow in you and around you. And if you watch the trees, you might notice they're just not trying that hard. It sure just doesn't seem like they're trying that hard. They're not straining. They're not striving. They're not in a hurry. They're not posturing or performing. They're not scrambling to figure everything out. They're not kind of like climbing a ladder to the next best thing. They, they don't appear to be trying to control anything. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, then you are surely lost and truth be told i am often lost because i get so focused on all the worries and the anxieties and the trying to control stuff that i don't have any control of over while a tree like a tree just it just exists it just is it just remains it just plants itself in the ground and it stays put That's what a tree does. And in simply being, in simply existing, the tree actually provides a sustaining life force that you and I and this planet cannot even live without. So my friends, it is off to work with God we go. And I don't know what you do for work right now, like if you stay home or if you work remotely from home or if you go into an office. I don't know if you get have paid work or unpaid work or if you are a student right now. But no matter what it is, you can do it with God. You can cultivate an internal awareness of God's presence Like in an unceasing dialogue, an unceasing conversation, almost like when you love someone, right? They're just kind of like always on your mind. You're thinking about them, right? This is why the ancient writers of the scriptures would say things like this. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, whatever you do, paid, unpaid, do it all for the glory of God. Every moment, every day can be lived, connected to the vine, abiding in the love of God, at home, in the spirit of Christ. Because in God's eyes, you and I, you're a branch bearing seeds, and attached to Christ Jesus, as that branch bearing seeds, you are like divine becoming. Like, if you're breathing, you're a great song that has yet to be fully heard because God's still working in you and on you. It's like, you know, God, when he made you, took a big brush on a blank canvas and was like, and here's a brush stroke that's never been seen before. That's you. And if you're still breathing, then then you're still emerging. And no matter your age, and no matter what you do with your days, God's not through with you. You're a word of God made flesh. You know, the Bible talks about how Jesus is the word of God made flesh. But historically, Christians, followers of God in the way of Jesus, Christians were thought of as little Christ's. Like, you are a word of God, made flesh, the body of Christ, and you're here to make things visible that without you would never be seen. And even, I think even you and I, even you don't really know what you are. Even you don't really know what you're becoming. Like, Only God knows. And uncovering that mystery, that's the primary work of your life. And it only happens when we abide in Christ. Like that is your calling above all others, that's your gift. That's your responsibility to the world to remain, to abide, to stay put in Christ as he forms you and transforms you, no matter the setup of your circumstances, you let God tell you who you are right there. And that forming, <laughs> yeah, like it or not, it's, it often happens most in times of hardship and struggle and tears. But here's the thing, like, you know, Jesus goes on this whole thing about obedience in the passage. You are to serve God, but you're not a slave. You're a song. You're God's song. You're co-laboring with Christ. And obedience to Christ, it's really about, like, your courageous surrender to that vulnerable pursuit of your own wholeness, that Letting God tell you over and over and all the insecurities and inconsistencies of life who you are and whose you are. It's that vulnerable pursuit of your own wholeness. It's a courageous endeav- endeavor to keep surrendering over and over again and to not take matters into my own hands. That's obedience to Christ. It's not about rules or masks or Christian service. It's not about social status or, or silly games. It's, it's really about conforming to the image of Christ, allowing God to form in you what He wants to form in you, His very life. It's it's not about conforming to all the structures and, and forms of somebody else's idea about what holiness is. Like obedience to Christ is about you being surrendered to divine love being formed in you. So when you're the branch and Christ is the vine and you're abiding, you're rooted on the inside. And no matter what happens on the outside, you have a structure that's invisible. And no person and no place and no performance evaluation, no sticky or muddled situation can ultimately take that or shake that and we're human, right? So we're going to. But ultimately, God's doing that in you through all the ups and downs of life. Nobody can take that from you. And so you can see, you could be a person when you're abiding in Christ, right? You can be a person. It's like people in your life change and they will. And places in your life will change and they will. But even as those externals change, you are rooted on the inside. There's a garden of Eden growing in you. And there's pruning that has to happen. And you're the branch, and you're attached, and you're remaining to the eternal, triune love of God that is unceasing and never changing for you. God is forming you through all these things that you face. God is... God has given you a gift to offer the world and the gift is yourself. The gift is you and it's still forming and the setup can change and the work can change and, and maybe maybe like you're a parent one day and you're a plumber the next day, you're a manager one day and you're a grandmother the next. Like all the roles, that's just the setup. That's just the setup of your life. That's not the call The call is to remain. The call is to keep giving the gift that is you in all of the ebbs and flows, in the various people and places you meet along the way. The call is to keep being formed in love. It's to stay. It's to remain. It's to remain attached. It's to abide in the vine who is Christ and to allow the gardener, who is God, to do the pruning so that you might continue to bear much fruit. Not the fruit of possessions or accolades or accomplishments. It's, it's the fruit of the spirit of Christ. So off to work with God we go, as Sky says. And just imagine like if your life is so rooted on the inside, that kind of like no matter what's happening, no matter what the setup is you find yourself in, you've got an internal structure That allows you to return and to keep growing. It allows you to show up in freedom. Because God's given you a gift to offer the world, and the gift is you. Imagine with, like, Brother Lawrence thinking, like, with every dish you wash... You give glory to God. You're a teacher, and with every paper that you grade, you glorify Christ with every meeting you lead or code you write, with every roof you repair, you do so as one who co-labors in tending a new garden of Eden called the kingdom of God. And imagine if you were a person who lived... With this sort of a theology of work, knowing that your work, no matter what it is, it is good work. And it's not good work because of how much you get paid for it or because of the title that you're given to do it. It is good work because it is the place where the kingdom becomes manifest in you and around you. It is good work because if Jesus was serious then the line between God's work and our work it just disappears. And no matter your work, and no matter your present setup, it's just another place to practice the presence of the Lord. It's just another environment for your divine becoming. It's just another day for Christ to be formed in you. Pray together as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you for the brush strokes all around me. These um, these examples, God, of uh, you speaking and forming and shaping love into this world. And God, I pray for each person here and their relationship with you and the relationship with their work. God, I pray that you might help us to form that internal connection with you and just grow it, no matter the setup, no matter the circumstances. May we honor you and all that we do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.